It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends. This is Andy. Welcome to episode 687 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Now I have a fun show lined up for you today. Joining me is Nate Regeer. Nate is author of a book titled Conflict Without Casualties, a field guide for leading with compassionate accountability, as well as he's the CEO of Next Element Consulting. And today we're going to be talking about conflict and managing conflict, because this is an interesting topic, because in the interaction between buyers and sellers, this is really a breeding ground for conflict. So among the topics Nate and I are going to tackle today, we're going to talk about why conflict is that gap between what your buyer wants and what they are experiencing at any point in time. Or, turning the tables, it's conflict is the gap between what you as a seller want and what you're experiencing at any point in time, and how to use compassionate methods to solve those. We're also talking about how to discern more quickly and effectively what the gaps are you know, that the buyer and seller have and how they can work together to close them. So there's lots of really interesting information here, a really different perspective on working with your buyer. So before we get to Nate, I just want to take a minute here to talk to you about the Sales House. Sales House is your home for B2B sales education and development. The Sales House, come. If you join, you're going to get the confidence you need to take on any challenge in sales, as well as acquire the knowledge, the wisdom, and the advice you need to effectively qualify and close your best sales opportunities. As a member, you get unlimited access to me with multiple coaching calls every week to help you close deals. You get unlimited, unlimited access to a growing library of short sales courses. We call them the nine-minute sales academy. Help you learn and master essential sales skills. Get access to a roster of world-class experts who are sharing their expertise in our weekly live workshops. And you get access to the rest of the sales house community, a community of like-minded sales professionals that you can tap for advice. You know, sales is a tough profession. The good news is, though, you don't have to sell alone. You can succeed. We can help you. Come invest a few minutes a day in the sales house. Visit thesaleshouse.com or thesaleshouse.com forward slash join. We look forward to seeing you in the house. All right, here we go. Nate Regeer, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. So um, you're joining us from Kansas today, right? We're in steamy, hot Kansas, just north of Wichita. I think it's going to reach about 95 today with about 70% humidity. Now, isn't isn't that part of Kansas, isn't that sort of like tornado alley? It is. It is. And we've had we've had some pretty good storms here in the last few months. Yike. Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, make sure I had a basement nearby. It seems that uh, it seems that this year's tornadoes have been transferred into hailstorms in Colorado. I don't know. Oh, we're getting spared, but there's a ton of damage west of us. Yeah, yeah. I had a I have a good friend who posted on Facebook uh, from Colorado after a hailstorm. It looked like it had snowed. He, was, he yeah. showed a picture of his porch. I mean, it almost looked look about a half inch to an inch of of hail on his porch. Yeah. Yeah. Wild stuff. Yeah. Hopefully your car's not parked outside when when that happens because that. Uh, I remember my my uh, father after he had bought a new Cadillac you know, that he uh, was so proud of, and then was driving cross country with my mom. And in Colorado, they got caught in this major hailstorm, and it looked like somebody had taken an ice pick and just throughout the entire every top facing surface of his car was. <laughs> oh no! Oh man! Yeah, yeah, those are something else to be in to be in a storm like that. 
Yeah, well, I think he had like two thousand miles on the car. So anyway, yeah. Um, well, good. Well, let's let's jump right into it. Is uh, we're gonna talk some about conflict, and you've written a book titled "Conflict Without Casualties: A Field Guide for Leading with Compassionate Accountability." Now, and so explain what compassionate accountability is. I mean, I think that's an interesting term. Well, yeah, it is an interesting term, and it's two words you wouldn't expect to go together. That's part of the reason why we why we developed it. Mm-hmm. When people think of conflict, they usually want to run away. Most people have had pretty negative associations with it. And so mm-hmm. if we're going to take that energy that's generated by this gap between what we want and what we're experiencing and do something with it, we have to have a mechanism or a tool or a process to play with that electricity, so to speak, without getting hurt. And compassion accountability is is the framework for that that says, you know, we can simultaneously care about people, preserve their dignity, practice kindness, and also pay attention to results. Because at the end of the day, we have stuff to get done. We come together as teams. We must perform. We must deliver to stay in business. And putting those two together seems difficult, but it's the challenge it, that we've been trying to solve with this book. Well, I, I um, thought there was an interesting sort of sales application to this is because is you you'd written that, and I, I'm just going to quote this actually came from, I think from one of your blogs, but it was that conflict at the most basic level is simply a gap between what we want and what we are experiencing at any point in time. And to me, that, that really sort of exemplifies sales. I mean, if, you're, if you get an objection from a buyer, that's basically what they're feeling, right? They're sitting in the meeting going, wow, this isn't, this isn't going, I'm not getting out of this what I, what I wanted. Right or this meeting isn't going the way they that I expected it would be, and so the the buyer experience is at odds with what their expectations were going into it. And this can one of the ways this can surface is as an objection or not even an objection, just as a a meeting ending, a relationship ending meeting. Um, and I thought, yeah, yeah, salespeople don't think about this oftentimes that that they think of an objection and they take it. Defensively, right? Is is what yeah? You know, this is yeah. criticizing me and not really thinking about well, yeah. Think about the really. The, well, I think what you're saying is the angst that the buyer is feeling at that point in time because they're conflicted. Yeah, and very often there's there's a ton of gaps happening at any given time in the sales process. And what we've been using this model for in sales is to try to discern quicker and more effectively what really is the gap here. And what gap are we trying to close? What gap are they trying to close? And how can we start aligning those gaps so that we're working together, struggling together to close the gap? And very often, I remember a, a, a mentor of mine when I was a psychologist. By the way, I'm, rec- I'm in recovery. so <laughs> No longer <laughs> he practicing would, a psychologist, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he said, you know, if you're working harder than your client, then something's wrong here. And I, I get kind of thinking, wow, how do we need to change this so that we are both struggling together to close this gap? And then what I realized as a therapist, finally, was that people don't come to us because they want to change. They come because they want the pain to go away. And so if we, if we misidentify the gap and don't get connected with what is it that they're trying to accomplish, it's really, it, we can be at odds and experience all this resistance and, and what we call um, you know, objections and things. Um, so this model is, it can have a lot of applications for that. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's really important for... Anybody, when you're whether it's a salesperson or any type of relationship in business or even personal life, is is this is a situation that occurs, right? Is is in any conversation, it doesn't have to be 
at any particular stage of the sales process is the potential for this gap to occur is is pretty strong, right? And and I think where the the salespeople oftentimes miss is they don't whether it's empathy or compassion as as you talk about is is they don't try to look at it through the eyes of the the buyer. And again, they it, don't. It, they don't. And in our in our model called the compassion cycle, we're very clear. Our research and our experience has shown very clearly that starting at openness is the most effective way to start dealing with this gap. And openness can be empathy and understanding and really trying to get in the shoes of the customer. Or it could be a type of openness where the salesperson discloses their motives and discloses their agenda and, and says very clearly what they want so that very quickly, it's it's not a game, but rather a journey together. Well, yeah, and so the, that which is a great suggestion because you know one of the key pillars of trust is: are you transparent in your motivations? Right? As can can the buyer see that? I, I have this little acronym I call MICE for building trust. It's motives, integrity, uh, competence, and execution. Excuse me, but. Um, yeah, the first the first pillar of trust is if if you're not transparent in your motivations, customers sense that, and as soon as they sense that first bit of discord about that, yeah, it, it's very very difficult. And so, being upfront about what your motivations are, and being consistent with them, which is where the integrity comes in, being consistent through the path of your conversations with the buyer, absolutely essential. Yeah. I just was on a, two sales calls back to back before this. Uh, and it's, it's so fascinating how, how much drama is lurking at the edges all the time. And we define drama as whether we're playing one of three roles where either we're the persecutor saying, hey, everyone else is the problem. Maybe we're playing the victim where we're saying I'm always the problem. Or we might be playing the rescuer saying, hey, I'm the solution to everyone's problems. And I found I found the invitation. The client was playing the victim, saying, "I don't want to do. I need this. What's this?" And it was so. It was such a strong invitation for me to come in with the answer, and get attached to an outcome that would serve me. Mm-hmm. And it would have been very easy to do that in the short term. And at first, I think she was f- sort of frustrated that I didn't go there and kept and kept disclosing my motive that my goal is to help you get what you want and for you to be successful and to figure out if what we have to offer is a great fit for you and your passions. That's why I keep asking you questions about your life and why I'm kind of sidestepping all the quick, easy answers about how much does it cost and when do I come and all of that. I say, because I don't even know if that's right for you. And when she finally calmed down and engaged, it was such a wonderful conversation about working together to close that gap. Yeah, well, I... I I'm not the only one who's who's talked about the fact that sales is like therapy in the sense that people may say they want the answers, but they really doesn't serve them to give them the answers. It serves to keep asking questions, help them uncover the answers themselves. So it's easy to get sideways with with prospects and with customers. Easy to get into these different drama roles. You know, we might assume the role of the persecutor and decide you know everyone else is the problem. Mm-hmm. Sometimes our customers come to us saying that or. Or maybe we assume the role of the victim and say, you know, I'm always the problem. I need to do anything, compromise, do whatever it takes to please people. Or maybe we play the role of the rescuer 
and adopt the attitude that you know I'm the solution to everyone's right. problems. Right. And it's easy sometimes in sales to try to try to do that, uh, particularly if the prospect or customer is pretty excited about about what we have to offer. Um, uh, but but, I, man, think one of, but I think one of the things you talked about that that to me was was. Um, I don't know. It sort of spoke to me in, in a way is that that you say that that um, you can spend time, your time and money on the one who promises to make the pain go away, or you can spend it on those who offer a path for change and transformation. And and that really is a, a stark choice in sales because I think that that it's really a mistake to dwell on people's pain and much more appropriate in sales, much more effective, and certainly has been for me over the course of my career is to help people understand what it is they want to accomplish in their life. And and so there's got an investment required, whether it's a monetary investment or in the case you talk about, what could be a you know with a therapist, it's a monetary and a time investment. But but it's that investment that that I think, yeah, people want the pain to go away, but they also see a future, right? And if you spend all your time trying to cure the pain, you're not going to end up doing business with them. Not at all. And it's if we're not careful up front, we can fall into that trap of providing quick solutions and, and it feels good at first and promising things. And it's a vicious trap. Uh, and, and customers that and prospects even that are that are also investing time and energy in that relationship and are, we're coaching and training them that this is a, that we're working together. It's a two-way street to get what we want. Mm-hmm. I think they feel much better about the end result as well because they've got skin in the game. They've participated. They don't feel like they've been given anything, but they truly have. Uh, it hurts so good, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It, things that we work for and participate in are so much more rewarding, and we have so much ownership over that solution. Exactly right. So this this gets to this idea of, and I've you know come down hard on it. Is if you're being trained as a salesperson to say to your prospect, well, you know, where's your pain point? It's like ah, oh, that's yesterday's news, right? They may still be feeling pain, but that's yesterday's news, and they're not engaging you to go put a band aid on the pain. They want the change and the transformation. I mean, it's nice to make the pain go away. But because people want to manage the pain, but they also want to know the pain's not going to come back. Yeah. Well, and we've we've kind of taken that idea of pain can come in lots of forms. It could come in the consequences I'm experiencing. It could come in how I'm actually feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to it's okay to identify it. But then we move quickly to saying, where do you want to be? What? How do you want to feel? And it's very interesting when you ask people not. You know, we want our metrics to be here. We want our sales to be here. We want this much traffic. We want, you know, and, and then I ask them, and when that happens, how will you feel? Right. What, what emotional end state are you striving for? Um, because if, even if we get all those things and you don't feel any different, we haven't succeeded. And maybe there's different ways to get to that place that you want to feel. But if we don't talk about that, we're not rowing in the same direction and we're, we're chasing mirages the whole time. And so that's a way of creating the gap or identifying the gap. Um, and I love this idea of salespeople being problem identifiers rather than problem solvers. Uh, I think well, it's ulti- kind of yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, ultimately you are. I mean, that really the solution comes through identifying the problem. Right. I mean, if you think about the the whole context of like the challenger sale, that's such a big thing. Is really fundamentally what you're doing is redefining what their problem is. Helping them look at it differently, so that's that is problem identification. It's, if you don't identify it appropriately, it can't be solved. 
So, um, or somebody else can solve it more than you. All right. So let's let's jump into sort of final thing is what's sort of what's one thing? What's the one thing today that we can leave people with that they can put to use quickly? One thing, if the thing that has been most effective for our clients and most effective for us in in our relationships with customers is is this mantra of always, always, always hold on to this belief that we, us and our customers, are worthwhile, we're capable, and we're accountable. And don't ever drop any one of those three. In every interaction, every day, act as if those are true and work to manifest those. And if you do that, things will turn out okay. Worthwhile, capable, accountable. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, I'm just thinking of the context because if you're in, <laughs> if you're in with with uh, a sales situation, as as you said, it's it's a two way street. You yeah. both, you yeah. both have. <laughs> yeah, you both. <laughs> I don't know. Why I'm blanking on this. I'm having such yeah. a hard time, but I'm sort of thinking thinking fast because it was good. But I mean, you you both have those three principles apply to both sides of the equation. Absolutely. And that's why the word we comes. You know, if I ever stop believing that my customer is worthwhile or that I'm worthwhile, some weird things can start happening in how we conduct ourselves. If I don't believe they're accountable, then I will take on way too much responsibility. If I don't believe I'm accountable, I won't own up to my promises and my part of the relationship. If I don't believe they're capable, then I won't ever give them opportunities to try and fail and learn and grow and ask me really hard questions. Well, and the worthwhile is one that I'll come back to for a second, just because you know this speaks to sort of the the inherent biases that we all have in life, and and we judge. And there was a great book I maybe you've read called uh, "Blind Spot: The Hidden Biases of Good People." Fantastic book. I recommend people read. But it just says that that the way that we perceive people, you know, sometimes we don't have control over that initially. You know, we or we think that we're we're free of, of biases and, and we're really not. And I'm not talking about some of the conventional biases we talk about. Certainly those are present, but even things more subtle. And really understanding that those can exist, um, yeah, have an impact on your perception yeah. of somebody as being worthwhile. So you really need to learn how to suspend these biases. Yeah. And search for that and search for how will this relationship and how will their engagement with us enhance their belief and their ability that they're worthwhile. And how will they feel more worthwhile as a result of it? Love it. Love it. Well, good. Well, Nate, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, tell folks how they can find out more about your book or connect with you. Thank you, Andy. It's been a pleasure. And my book, Conflict Without Casualties, A Field Guide for Leading with Compassionate Accountability, is available on our off our website, next-element.com, or on Amazon or any of the other of the major booksellers. And if they want to connect with you? If they want to connect with me, nextelement.com is my website, or you can email me directly at nate at next-element.com. Perfect. All right. Well, Nate, enjoy the rest of your, your summer, and hopefully it cools down for you. And we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, I want to thank you for joining me, and I want to thank my guest, Nate Regeer, for joining us as well. Uh, come back next week as I welcome my friend Tibor Shanto to Accelerate. Tibor and I are going to be talking about objective-based selling. Before you go, don't forget to check out Sales House. It's your all-in-one sales learning, coaching, mentoring, and development accelerator. Just for B2B sellers like you, visit thesaleshouse.com. 
All right. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>